Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna. Happy Tuesday. That feels like a Monday, even though I was here yesterday. It feels like a Monday because I got my kids off to school. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am so happy to have you. I love nothing more than seeing you guys chat in the live comments. If you're listening on the podcast app, I appreciate you guys and keep listening. Always listen. But if you ever just like want to shoot over, you know, jump over to YouTube and see what it looks like over here. I go live every single morning, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern time for those of you that uh, don't understand the difference between Pacific and Eastern, which is like literally my life. Um, I did find out it was 2 p.m. Eastern time and mountain time. Good luck in life. Couldn't tell you for my life what mountain time is because it changes. One time it's one hour. One time it's two hours away. I don't know. Right now it's 11 a.m. in Los Angeles on Tuesday, February 20th. We have a very dark, dreary, and wet, that's what she said, day here in Los Angeles. It is a ton of rain that we've gotten. And I just saw the news that there is a sinkhole on the 405. And let me tell you something. A lot of you guys don't know this about me, but my biggest fear, well, there's a lot of them, but if I was going to list out one of my fears, it would be a sinkhole. Sinkholes to me are like, you know, I like a rabbit hole and we're going to talk about a TikTok rabbit hole that we all collectively went through this weekend. And that is Risa Tisa, but it is the sinkholes of, of where do you go when there is a sinkhole and you fall into the ground, where do you end up? And is it with Barbara in the upside down? I am so confused by it. You know, what's so funny. Ray says sinkholes are the seventies quicksand. And it's so crazy because John Mulaney has an amazing set, the comedian John Mulaney, where he basically says, we spent our entire childhood being worried about quicksand. Like quicksand was like a genuine fear for children growing up in the 80s and 90s. I don't know about you guys, but for me, for sure, like on all the, um, you know, Mario Brothers type show, like games, like there was quicksand was like a real deal thing. It was a real fear. And then when you grow up, like where did quicksand go? Is there quicksand? I'm sure Quicksand is a real thing, but, you know, I have yet to find out and I don't want to find out because I have important news to talk about, including buying Beverly Hills. Okay, we have very important things to talk about today. Thank you for joining Daily Dose of Donna, which is sponsored by The Incredible ZipRecruiter. And I'm going to remind you guys that if you are out there trying to hire our friends at ZipRecruiter conducted a recent survey and found that the top hiring challenge employers face for 2024 is a lack of qualified candidates. Can I tell you something? If I was interviewing for an assistant right now, you know what I would say? I'd say, hi. Um, so tell me, is quicksand real? And if you don't know the answer to that, which is actually that it is real, then 
It is, uh, it's, if you are not answering that quicksand is real, I'm going to tell you, you are not going to work for me. Quicksand is real and so are sinkholes. But if you're an employer and need to hire, here's good news. ZipRecruiter has smart tools and features that help you find more qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Donna. That's D-A-N-A. So here's how ZipRecruiter's tools and features help you find the best people for your roles. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology shows you candidates whose skills and experience match it. You can use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply feature to send top candidates a personalized invite to encourage them to respond to your job post. And when you use ZipRecruiter's rating tool to rate your candidates, they send you more matches from new profiles that created on the site. Speaking of ratings, you guys, are you giving Daily Dose of Donna a five-star rating on the podcast or Spotify app? And if you're not, why? Like, why are you so mean? I got a raid. <laughs> I got a review over the weekend, you guys. I literally got a review that said this. A one-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's there. I'll try to find it. And I, I, I may need to read this to you. ZipRecruiter would not be happy about this review, right? They would be like, "You, this is not going to work. Okay, Daily Dose of Donna. If you go to the Daily Dose of Donna on the podcast app, you can scroll down and give it a five-star review. Five-star rating and review. Listen to what this says. Well, I get, some, I get some really mean reviews, just in case you guys are wondering. But that's the mark of a good podcast. I've decided. If you are not getting some uh, polarizing opinions, then good luck in life. Okay. This is literally what it says. Great podcast. I agree with you on the Taylor Olivia situation. The amount of hate she is getting is wild to me. I also find Olivia to be boring and enjoy Taylor's interview with Nick, but I don't agree with the VPR negativity. Katie had a brain injury and that affects her personality. I think that Ariana has always struggled with depression and self-esteem issues. You come across a little harsh. She wrote, or he wrote, Great podcast as the headline. One star. One star. Oh, Ray wants an episode where I read the mean reviews. No problem, but let me finish ZipRecruiter. So let ZipRecruiter help you conquer the biggest hiring, hiring challenge, finding qualified candidates. So just go to this exclusive web address right now to, to try ZipRecruiter for free, ZipRecruiter.com slash Donna. That's D-A-N-A. Remember, ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-N-A. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You have to say it in a very... um dramatic way I've been told that works. Like now you guys are going to use ZipRecruiter because I didn't just say ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I said ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I'm smizing. Okay. Here's another um, review from Fifi. Fifi, hard pass, not funny, insightful, or even a little bit interesting. Oh, this is good. This is good. From good citizen for you psychopath. Donna lurks on social media under various accounts. Her podcasts are full of bashing people and drags her husband in to do her dirty work. And if you mean by dirty work, taking out the trash, literally taking out the trash, you're right. I do drag Lance in to take out the trash. As a couple, they are very unprofessional. Okay. Um, this is good. Not sure. The bias takes are not great. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you guys remember that when you have a podcast, you're supposed to not be biased? 
when you have a podcast where you cover and recap and have thoughts about reality shows, you're supposed to not have a bias. Can you imagine coming here every day for Daily Dose of Donna? And I said all of a sudden, um, hello, today on Daily Dose of Donna, we will be talking about Vanderpump Rules. This is a show about a man named Tom Sandoval, and he walks over to Billy Lee. And Billy Lee says, Tom, she should be calling you. And Tom says, I know, dude. And then, I mean, you guys would turn that ish off and so, like, so fast. Biased. Oh, this is good. This is good because I want you guys to see if you're watching, there's a lot of um, emojis, lots of emojis says rehash. This is by taken one rehash, basically a rehash of others podcast, lightning bolt target and O with the O no new content listens to podcasts and regurgitates the contents. I'm not going to like, you know, get on the grammar. Another O with an X through it. Nothing new or original lightning bolt hashtag sad. Didn't waste your time, exclamation point, space, exclamation point, exclamation point, and then like a yield sign. Okay. Welcome to Daily Dose of Donna. I have given zero Fs for the bad reviews. You want to know why? Every time I get bad reviews, I feel like the podcast just grows. So thank you so much, my loves, for fueling the fire. You know who else feels the fire? Let's talk about Bethany. Bethany over the weekend, really, really, truly, like she's gotten dragged over this and I'm struggling, you guys. I'm really struggling and I want honest opinions. I am struggling because she got dragged over a video that she posted about the Kelly Rowland Today Show dressing room debacle and I don't know what to do because I agree with Bethany. Now, I didn't watch the whole video. I just know that she posted a video that she ended up pulling and deleting, which is never a good sign for Bethany because you know she only deletes the videos where she just gets dragged through the mud. Like she never deleted the crab in the in the hotel room. <laughs> Sorry for your misophonia, guys. I have it bad too. She never deleted any of that, but she deleted this video. So basically what happened was on Friday, Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child was set to co-host the 10 a.m. hour of... Um, the Today Show. It was the Today Show, not Good Morning America, right? It was the Today Show with Hoda Kotb. She was on the 8 a.m. hour as a like a, a guest getting interviewed. And then she was supposed to go to the 10 a.m. and co-host. So something happened between the 8 a.m. and the 10 a.m. She apparently, and this is alleged because no one is actually like confirming or denying. Kelly's team has not spoken at all. But allegedly, she did not think that the dressing rooms were up to snuff for her. J-Lo was there performing. J-Lo had a, a great dressing room, apparently. And so Kelly Rowland was bitter and angry. This is alleged. And left in a huff. And what she did was she left them scrambling to find a new guest co-host within an hour or so. Rita Ora, stunning, gorgeous. I love Rita Ora. She came in and she jumped in and she was able to take over. Now, we did not hear from Kelly Rowland's team or the Today Show Hoda anything from the weekend. We just heard this rumor, which you know these rumors are always kind of like usually. I feel like if it wasn't true, Kelly Rowland's team would come out and deny it. So that's what my guess was. I think that she was. So then Bethany goes on her um, TikTok you know, her TikTok, her best friend. <laughs> Bethany is like, she has like 
imaginary friends and they're all on her phone. So she goes on her TikTok and she decides to talk about the fact that she has a um she has a bone to pick with this because she says I've been asked to guest co-host the Today show over and over and I've done it and, and it's an it's an honor. And the dressing room situations are not fancy. This is not like green room gorgeous. This is, you know, you put your makeup on wherever you are. It doesn't really matter. It's like very, it's not about that. It's an honor to be there. I hate to say that I agree with this. When you're co-hosting the Today Show for one day, it's not about like setting you up in this like gorgeous luxury hotel. I mean, maybe they're, they that's what they do, but on set, it's very um, it's very like hodgepodge. I mean, I was just at the, at KTLA, remember that on Friday and like, they didn't even give us a room. Like we were literally on the corner of a stage. Now we just had a little segment. We were not a guest co-host. We're definitely not part of Destiny's Child. I mean, at least in my mind I am, but I'm not. And it's interesting that, um, that that was like, Kelly's bone to pick if that was the case. The reason why I do believe it was the case is because Hoda came on her show today and she basically stood up for Kelly. And I think this was like from a PR standpoint, you kind of have to stood up for Kelly saying how much she loves Kelly and next time she can share her dressing room. So no one actually like refuted the story. No one actually said that it didn't happen. Um, I think for sure what happened in this case was, you know, Bethany said what a lot of us we're probably thinking, which sounds like diva behavior. But a lot of people did not want to hear that. And a lot of people thought Bethany was speaking out of her ass because it's coming from Bethany. But I'm curious, you know, from you guys that what what do you really think about that? I, it, I think the story is true because like I said, Kelly has not denied and Hoda even kind of jumped at it. And even though Hoda and Jenna are like, we love Kelly, she's always welcome back here. Maybe there was some sort of a mistake. Maybe someone on the Today Show, um, you know, production team or whatever messed up and promised her a dressing room and didn't have it for her. Maybe there was an actual issue there. So that's why the Today Show has to stand with Kelly. They don't want to say like, we tried to give her something amazing and she totally like threw us under the bus. I think probably the Today Show screwed something up and weren't able to give her what they wanted to give her. But regardless, I would have never left. Like, Because even if the dressing rooms are shit, you can make it known. But you stay, I think, because for professionality, it's like the show must go on. And it sucks because when you jump and leave in that kind of case, it's like whenever when people cancel on things last minute and you can't fill the spot, it's really, really hard. You have to – you have to – do what the job is, regardless of what the conditions are. And then you can have your publicist, agent, manager, or whatever, talk to them later and say, that was not cool. It was not okay. We want to come back, but we never want to come back under those conditions, et cetera. But now it's like a lose-lose for Kelly because she lost out on that spot and all that exposure. And then she had really bad press go around around her. So I'm actually interested, interested about that. And by the way, you know, Sam says, I heard JLo had a bigger one upstairs and she was mad over that. Well, I'm sorry, but J-Lo is a bigger star than Kelly Rowland. And is anyone going to deny that? Is J-Lo and are J J-Lo, J-Lo, are J-Lo and Kelly Rowland on the same level of stardom? I, I think Kelly Rowland is a name. I think she's a star. I think that she, you know, has 
a career, all of that. But no, <laughs> like in no way, in no way. I just find it really interesting when these celebrities act this way, especially in this age of social media. Like it spreads like wildfire in 4.2 seconds. And I would be very um, surprised if someone didn't care that like everyone would be talking about them in that way. I just don't know the win. But Bethany deleted the TikTok, which I don't know what specifically about this um, like got her more than normal. Oh, okay. So this is interesting. And I'm I'm totally open to this conversation. Carmen says, okay, hold on. I want to read this. Don't forget the nuance of race and how black artists have been repeatedly disrespected behind the scenes for decades, i.e. using the back door. So this is tough because I I do believe that that can be in consideration here. I don't believe this was like, I don't believe in my opinion. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if it's very possible or true that they would have disrespected her because of her race. Like, I just don't know. But maybe, I mean, that, I think it's possible to take something and hear something or believe something. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want to really get involved in that because as someone who, I don't want to, like, I don't want to feel like I'm gaslighting that situation in any capacity what's, what's, uh, whatsoever. To see, this is where it gets a little tricky. I think everyone's, valid for having their feelings. I think everyone's valid for feeling disrespected or that they're not getting what they deserve. But I also think a commitment is a commitment. And sometimes you get treated in ways that you're like, wait, this is not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I was told. But I'm not going to screw over Hoda and the hundreds of other people that work here. I'm going to go directly into, you know, the, uh, the lion's den. I'm going to do the job, even if it puts me in an unhappy place and we'll deal with it later because I like Hoda and I like the directors of the Today Show and the producers and I don't want to screw them over and America, right? Like that's dealing with this. So anyway, okay. That's how I feel. All right, let's move on. Uh, what should we talk about first? You guys, I saw an article just because we're on morning talk show news. I saw an article about Kelly Ripa this morning that made my blood boil. I can't believe that in 2024, we are still having conversations of what blank eats in a day. Now, it's one thing if it's a TikTok influencer, because I'm super invested in those. I actually really want to see like what TikTok influencers are eating in a day, you know, especially the fitness ones. I love it when I see like a fitness influencer and seeing how she's just like making protein smoothies and eating like a a ton of like a, a cottage cheese and then she's going and having a big salad or a big, you know, thing at lunch and like real, real meals where you can actually learn from or um, get examples of how to increase your protein in your own diet. Like when there's things like that, I am so down. I am so down to learn about, but this is the stuff that bothers me. I posted on the Daily Dose of Donna Facebook group. Come on over and get in there, by the way, um, you know, as long as you have good intentions. Um, so hold on. I just wanted to write a note about what to talk about in a second. 
So this is an article that comes up on page six, and it says Kelly Ripa's nutritionist breaks down what live co-host eats in a day. Now, if you guys don't remember this, a few years ago, there was like a viral article about Kelly, about Kelly Ripa. And I don't know if it was just Kelly Ripa. It was like a bunch of different celebrities. Kelly Ripa, I want to say, um, eats in a day. I want to say it was like, um, gosh, there was a whole, there was a whole thing about this. And I can't remember what article it was. If it was like, oh, it was a video. It was a, a infamous video called Kelly Ripa's what I eat in a day. It was on Harper's YouTube channel, um, which is basically uh, like Harper's Bazaar. Okay. There was also a Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. So this video was insane. And this was a few years ago. It was like, she basically ate like three almonds when she was hungry for a snack. Like it was really, really dangerous and depressing and just scary. Okay. Like it did not in any way leave anyone. I don't think with some sort of healthy idea of, Oh, this looks like a good way that I can be, if anything. And I say this as someone that is someone like, I care a lot about how I look and I care a lot about my body. And I go to the gym. You guys know this like five to six times a week. I work out in some capacity, even if it's just walking, I'm really, really intentional on that. But at the same time, like I eat chocolate. I literally like I can't go days without a day without sugar. I mean, I have a problem with that for sure. I eat very balanced meals, I but I eat. Like I'm not scared of food. I'm not, you know, whatever. So, but I'm interested in these kinds of articles because Kelly Ripa, she looks phenomenal, right? She looks so phenomenal. And yet, I mean, on TV, I should say a lot of people said that in person, she's very, very, very skinny. She's very petite and very small. And I'm not saying that that's a bad or a good thing. She's very strong too. She works out. But whenever I see articles like this, it makes me just like, it makes me upset because it's giving Rachel Hollis back in like the top of the Hollisville when she said, I drink a green. And I had a crazy crazy dream about Rachel and Dave Hollis, rest in peace last night. And if you guys are interested in that, I mean, I can't tell you what it did to my brain, but Rachel Hollis used to drink this green smoothie. This is at the top of like girl wash your face days. She used to drink this green smoothie that was filled with, you know, all the greens, spinach, whatever. And then she would throw in like one scoop of maybe almond butter or peanut butter. I don't even know. And like a ton of protein powder. She said, it tastes disgusting, but I drink it every day. I don't believe in this day and age at, you know, in February of 2024, we should ever put ourselves through something that tastes disgusting to get our health in. Why? Because protein, you can put it in your coffee. You can have protein as food. You can have protein powders that taste very good, like that are low sugar, all those things. It bothers me. It bothers me. I don't know why it triggers something in me because it makes me feel like I'm a failure that I want to taste like good food, right? I just think there's too much food noise out there that it bothers me. This is, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get a one-star review for this because someone's going to say, Donna has an opinion. Donna has an opinion and it's not okay. I don't listen to podcasts for opinions. I want podcasts that have, that are, that just tell me the news. Okay. Well, this ain't NPR. <laughs> Marx's come over will split an almond. 
happily. So, um, so anyway, this article bothered me. It was a page six article and it says that the nutritionist who, I don't even know who this nutritionist is and like why Kelly would allow this, but this nutritionist, he's probably trying to sell a, a book is the truth. It's Dr. Daryl Geoffrey or whatever. It says she works out seven days a week and she maintains this incredible strength eating lifestyle that I've taught her. Of course you did, Dr. Daryl. Um, yeah, he wrote a book. He's looked the picture. Get off your sugar. Get off my sugar. Let me eat my sugar a little bit. In moderation. Um, every time you're hungry, you're going to put something in your body. It has to be something that is going to strengthen you from the inside out. And when we say that, by the way, strengthen you from the inside out, and I'm okay with uh, protein and all that. I eat a lot of protein per day. But like having a good piece of C's candies does strengthen me from the inside. Okay? I'm just saying. Um, shockingly, he says the importance of greens, healthy fats, and fiber. It's like, how many years have we heard about this? Maybe I'm very triggered because I grew up with an almond mom. My mom is someone that I grew up with the South Beach diet in my house, the fat flush diet, the cabbage soup diet. My mom was a sucker for every single diet there was out there. This is in the 80s and 90s. It was out of control. I remember when I was in high school, she put me on the cabbage soup diet. So like you can understand that this stuff is like, like I, I feel like maybe I need a therapist for this. Um, And then as an example, Geoffrey recalled adding green juice to his daily regimen when he was struggling to cut sugar out of his diet. Okay. So in case you guys are wondering what Kelly Ripa does, she does start her day with a glass of water mixed with a scoop of dehydrated greens from his brand. I'm not even going to put it out there. Um, greens are fine. Greens are good. I'm into that. Like I like athletic greens. I know Ray Goldstein over here talks about another pro, uh, product. So hit her up if you want her greens. I can't remember off the top of my, I'll get all the names. Um, okay. This is good. Warned against the sugary virgins and versions and suggested using whole fruits like cucumber for hydration and green apples and pears for natural sweetness. Okay, so whenever someone says that fruits are bad, I immediately want to cry. You have to eat your greens. Then she enjoys a cup of coffee blended with grass-fed butter and won't consume any food until after her show, which is fine. I think that's like 10 a.m. I'm not a morning eater anyway, so I'm not, I'm not triggered by that. Get this, though. When she wants a snack, this is really important. When she wants a snack, she doesn't just have an apple. That would be crazy. She has a small snack of, so you know it's like a quarter of, mashed green apple. Vom, what is a mashed green apple? A few tablespoons of almond butter, doubt it, and a teaspoon of cinnamon. Instead of going for the unhealthy snack, she's always prepared. She snacks on raw nuts throughout the day. Three of them. Just kidding. I don't know if that's the truth. For lunch, she has a salad with microgreens, sprouts, avocado, and dinner is more or less a variation of that with additional protein. I'm bored. Can we have an article about how to incorporate McDonald's into your diet? Mark, she just inhales the smell of a bag of chips without eating them. I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. Okay. 
Uh, Proganics is Ray's brand. Go check it out, Proganics. That's a, it, it's actually really, really good. Leslie says she's eating a spoon of applesauce for a snack. That's what she's saying. Like, what's a mashed apple? Seriously, what's a mashed apple? She's eating like a, a um, you know, like the squeezies, the squeezy applesauce, the ones that I go go or whatever <laughs> that I buy for my kids. Okay. Let's move on. I know it's a lot of conversation about food. I'm sorry, guys. I just was so annoyed by that. You, yo, you guys, you, I don't know what, what language just came out. Buying Beverly Hills is officially on the calendar. Mauricio's second season of his amazing show, Buying Beverly Hills, will air on March 22nd. That's exactly almost one month from today. What do we know about this? We knew this, but we now know for sure that it is going to be on um, the next, we're going to get like a continuation of the divorce talk because Kelly, Kelly, Kelly Ripa needs to stay in, in, um, in New York, but Kyle in Beverly Hills, Kyle and Mauricio in the season finale, we do see the trailer that he talks they talk to the kids and they start sharing some of the news. Well, now in the in the uh, teaser for buying Beverly Hills season two, we see that Mauricio and um, the girls, not Kyle and not Portia, the youngest, because Portia is like the forgotten child, right? Um, it's Kyle. And it's I mean, it's Farah. It's Alexia and Sophia. So it's only the stars of Buying Beverly Hills. And Mauricio is having a conversation with them, talking about how it seems like, you know, they're taking a break. This seemed like summertime. It felt like a warm day. They're taking, um, they're free to date. They're free to do their own thing. And this is just the new normal. And then Farah was like, I had no idea. My, my life was going to be like this one year from... A year ago, because remember, Farah also separates from her fiance that we met in the first season of Buying Beverly Hills. So everyone separated. <laughs> and sadly, you know, Sophia, I think that was Sophia, starts to really cry. She's like, this is so hard. I can't believe how much things have changed just in the last few months, this and this and that. And it is a sad scene whenever you see this. You know, it is. I don't think anyone gets any joy watching a parent talk to their kids about divorce and about any of that sadness. So um, all I know is that Netflix has never been happier because they know that everyone's interested in, in Beverly Hills and now people will be interested in the second season of buying Beverly Hills for that reason. Um, I will be watching it, obviously. There's no way I cannot, but you know, it's work for me. I don't know about you guys. Will you be watching Buying Beverly Hills? Are we interested in that this season? I can't imagine why you wouldn't be. Okay. Let's talk about, let's quickly talk about, let's talk about Tom Sandoval and a little Vanderpump. Okay. <sighs> Tom Sandoval. Guys, number one, there was one article that someone posted in my Facebook group, and I don't know how legitimate this article is or not, but basically it says that something about her is slated to open. That uh, that Ariana and, what's her name? Ariana and uh, Katie Maloney finally have secured all of their permits and it's going to open. 
I don't know if this is something that can be trusted. I don't know about how, you know, real this is. But, um, oh, three hours ago on the Bravo TV news, the Bravo TV website, it says Katie Maloney has a major update on the opening of something about her. We're so excited, she says. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The Vanderpump Rules cast member says while sharing exciting news about their sandwich shop. Um, yeah, apparently they got their permits, according to Reality T. Um, we'll see what happens, though. I mean, Ariana's not even in L.A. Like, she's doing, for the next month or so, she's doing Broadway. So I have no idea how that's going to actually work. But, um, oh, I guess on an episode of Nikki and Brie show, the Nikki and Brie show podcast? Aren't those the, like, WWE girls? It says, Katie dropped some good news. She does recognize the mysterious theories, but it was really all about the pasta slash permits. Um, okay, let's see what happens, you guys. Let's see where it goes. Why don't we bet on when something about her opens? Do you think that Kyle Richards and Morgan Wade are going to announce their relationship? Or will something about her open? first. Which is going to happen first? I'll be waiting. No, I think it'll be interesting. Listen, if it opens, it's going to do very well. There's no question. And it's got to open while this season is still airing, which it sounds like it will, because they need it to coincide with them doing the tasting and everything at the store, which they will. Guys, also really fast, um, also really fast. This is interesting. Remember how we were talking about how Vanderpump Rules has jumped the shark and it feels so boring this season. I just remembered while reading this article that was on the New York Times by Tom Sandoval. We're going to get into it in just a second. They mentioned the water tasting. I don't know if you guys remember this, but because we've been watching all everyone's stories and listening to podcasts and everything for the last few months, do you remember when they did a water tasting at James's house in the backyard with a water sommelier, a water malay, melier? <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine actually like this is a storyline on Vanderpump Rules. We will be having to sit through a water tasting. I just want you guys to know that. Are we ready for that? I am not. Kelly Ripa will be there, but I won't. I'm I'm so done with, like, I know. I'm supposed to give it more of a shot. Everyone says, it's only been three episodes, Donna. It's only been three episodes. <sighs> Water tasting my ass. Give us something more. Like, I'm not watching, you know, National Geographic for a reason. I want Bravo. Like, that's why I'm so hard into Southern hospitality. That's why I believe very strongly in the power of this show because I know it has legs. They're messy. And I'm sorry, why are we watching? Why did we get so involved in Vanderpump Rules? Surely it wasn't through the green juice and the water tastings and the sober of it all. And I'm okay with them being sober, but it's not going to be as interesting as a Southern hospitality, let's be honest, right? LBH. Now, meanwhile... Tom Sandoval blew my mind through this New York Times article. He was on the cover of the New York Times on Sunday. Well, let me see if it was the cover of a specific, um, yeah, the New York Times magazine. He was on the cover. And this is the name of the article. How Tom Sandoval became the most hated man in America. Ouch. Ouch. Now, listen, 
do you think someone like a Tom Sandoval would be happy with getting that kind of a, uh, you know, a review? The most hated man. I actually think he would be like, listen, it's true. And at least I'm on the front cover of the of the New York Times. Like for him, it may not be the worst thing in the world. But this article is like wild. It's wild for a lot of reasons. Number one, the, the author of the article talks about the fact that she goes over to his house at the end of December. I believe it's the end of the year. And it's um, she's in his Valley Village house, the famous, you know, house that we're seeing on the show. And she's talking about the fact that, you know, Scandaval took over the world and Vanderpump Rules just like knocked everyone's socks off and people were obsessed. And then this is the part that I thought was really interesting. She t- she talks about how Ariana Maddox has like gone on to do amazing things. Raquel went to a mental health facility and started going by a different name. And meanwhile, Sandoval became the most reviled, reveled man in America and the butt of a million jokes. Jennifer Lawrence made fun of his skin. Amy Schumer called him a narcissist. One of the hosts of The View called him the Donald Trump of ex-boyfriends. And Sandoval has just been here in the Valley trying to process, process it all. He says, I feel like I got more hate than Danny Masterson. And he's a convicted rapist. Hey, last I last I checked, you weren't uh, in jail. This is Sandoval's problem, you guys. There's so many problems here, but you'll hear this quote that's going to come up soon that is, is taken over everyone's feeds because it's like so out there. It's so wild. Um, it's bad. Okay. What does he say really fast? Um, he says... Okay, so this this author is talking about the fact that she, that he's at his house in a muscle shirt and a wide headband. He has an assistant whose name is Miles, not Anne, which is why I know and I'm 99% sure Anne is a VPR plant, meaning an actor. Um, his assistant, Miles, is at the dining room table sorting through Sandoval's utility bills. Um, Sandoval says he does every, anything I don't personally have to do. Wouldn't that be nice? We were also joined by Riley. Now, this poor Riley, R-Y-L-I-E, I believe it's a girl, who's 23, gets dragged so hard in this article because it says, we are also joined by Riley, who's on Sandoval's new publicity team, which has a background in crisis PR. I assumed Riley would be an impediment, meaning like hold back from the interview, but my fears were put to rest when she didn't flinch at the Danny Masterson comment. Riley is 23 has watched, get ready for this, you guys, has watched Vanderpump Rules since she was in middle school and seemed as interested in Sandoval's life as I was. When Sandoval described how, despite their gnarly, nationally televised split, he and Maddox have continued living together, sequestered in separate parts of the five-bedroom home and communicating via assistance, Riley was curious to hear more. So all of her stuff is still here, Riley said. Whoa, (laughs) I kind of feel bad that uh, Riley got dragged in this article because it sounds like she's literally a little like fan. 23 and she's his PR rep for a New York Times interview. Like what were they thinking? What were they thinking? So then. um, Okay, let me think. Um, 
my tape, she's the art, the author says my tape recorder wasn't on yet. And Sandoval wanted to make sure I was getting everything. Uh, do you want to like, uh, record this? Of course I wanted to record this. I couldn't remember interviewing a public figure as eager to speak into a recording device. But then again, Sandoval is not a typical celebrity. So they're talking about, you know, the reality life and how crazy and how big it was and how, you know, the show, you know, went through the years of them working at the restaurant and then having a lot of money and then the Randall Emmett and Lala and everything. Then goes into a whole in, um, Alex Baskin conversation because Alex Baskin He's the executive producer of Vanderpump. We talk about him so much on the show. So basically that um, Alex is talking about, and and this author goes to the Evolution. Um, Alex worked for Evolution. And Evolution Media is the production office behind all these shows. And fun fact, I worked at Evolution in 2000. Hold on. Just you wait, you guys. This is interesting. In 2004 or five, I worked at Evolution. This is really a throwback. There was a show on Disney Channel called Switched. Do you remember that show, Switched? Switch? No. Was it called Switched? I said it so easily and so fast, but now I can't remember if that was actually what it was called. I think it was called Switched. Okay, I have to like go and check exactly what it, it was. A reality show about kids. And I was casting that for Evolution. And it was in those offices. It's a huge like airport hangar with cubicles lining the room. And they had a bunch of other reality shows that they were casting and working on out of there, but none that I had really like watched or cared about at the time. It was really interesting. <laughs> Mark says, did Evolution know that you were a psychopath, Donna? You must remember to include it on your resume. Special skills. Um, yes, under my special skills, I've been called a psychopath by a podcast review. Okay. Um, so anyway, this talks a little bit about the whole like shock of the success of Vanderpump. We go into Evolution offices. We're talking about how um, the cheating scandal, whatever. Okay, back to Sandoval's house. Now, this is where it gets a little crazy. He made a cup of tea and Riley the PR girl, are, and I are listening to what the past year of life has been like. The thing with Levis started with what sounded like a middle life crisis, midlife crisis, which we've heard that before, where he wasn't feeling like he was getting love from Ariana. He wasn't feeling like he was getting attention. He was like past his prime and Levis came in and made him feel like cool and hot and alive. Um, then it says that after he finished filming, he went on tour with his band. We know that his bank accounts were overdrawn. He needed the money. Uh, lots of people came out and hated him, screamed Team Ariana, called him a loser. When he returned home, there were groups of strangers with cameras at his house who seemed to be making fun of him. Um, the Remember, this is when they did the Duracell commercial at his house, when they did Sandoval's a liar on the Jane, sweet lady Jane cake. And th this part actually does tear at my heartstrings, all of this, because I really don't think anyone deserves all of this online hate. Like, or in real life hate, like I can't imagine going through it. I mean, it's so, it's so overwhelming to think about, but it's a Sandoval's friends distance themselves. We've seen this now on the show, his brother, and actually seriously F you brother, because I don't care how bad I've acted. I don't care what I've done. If my sister asked me to delete photos of us on Instagram, I would be like, that's an unforgivable how do you do that to your brother and your sister? Like Sandoval didn't kill someone, you guys. He really did get killed online though. Um, 
His brother asked him to delete photos of them together on Instagram. Sandoval says he was asked to stop going into his own restaurants, Shorts and Sandy's. Um, people got his phone number and they were calling him at all hours. Uh, he got down, really down. His mind went to, went to dark places. He stopped drinking. He got on Wellbutrin. Um, and then he talks about how Levis never called him, never gave him closure, et cetera. And... Uh, then it talks about how he did special forces and he, and this is like the thing about Sandoval. So on the show, which I didn't finish watching special forces, it looked like he got eliminated before Jojo Siwa. And remember there was that one clip of Jojo Siwa actually carrying Sandoval on his back. It says when Sandoval didn't win the competition, he felt robbed. He thought producers made it look as though he got eliminated before Siwa who voluntarily withdrew. They said she lasted longer than me, he said, but she most definitely did not. He was convinced that producers didn't want him to win. Who did they want to win? Riley asked, incredulous, like, because she was such a fangirl. She has no idea. The point is, is that Sandoval cannot in any way ever take accountability. He got eliminated on that show and still watching that show, a Fox show called Special Forces, he immediately goes to, they were had it out for me. They wanted to set it up so that I looked worse than I was. It's their fault, their fault, their fault. Those people that can never take any accountability and blame every single action that they do on the person around them, driving them to it is the reason why the level of vitriol, why the level of hate, why the level of da-da-da-da-da. Like, I can't personally imagine how anyone can forgive him for anything if he continues in this. And like, here we are months and months and months and months and months later, and we just saw him on Nick Biles' podcast, and he, this man is not a changed man. He has not changed. It's the same. It's that person's fault. It's their fault. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's It's never my fault. It's never my fault. And even if it is my fault, it's because they made me do it. Yes, I know I effed up, but she she told me that I should. Yes, I know I effed up, but she didn't give me love, dude. It's maddening. Can he just find a way to say, I fucked up? It doesn't matter why, but I did. It doesn't matter what drove me to it. It doesn't matter. I did. And I'm sorry. And I, I messed up. Like, it's literally the whole story of like, if your friends told you, you know, to jump off a cliff, would you? So you do. And you're like, oh, I jumped off a cliff, but they told me to. I can't handle it. You guys just say, I'm sorry. But he's so hell bent on needing to be right in his own mind. He doesn't realize the damage that he's doing every time he continues the story. He thinks he's going to change someone's mind. He thinks justifying his actions in some way is going to like lessen the severity of it. And it, it, it's only made it worse. Okay. Then it goes on how he's tried to kind of like rejigger his, uh, his whole online personality. And he started his Everybody Loves Tom podcast. Well, I'm just going to give you guys a little insight here not naming any names, but I know of people that have worked with him in this podcast world. Remember, we talked about this. This was not a guy that was easy to work with, just FYI. Even though he did his podcast, even though he worked on this podcast and he got this Everybody Loves Tom podcast, he was a nightmare. Remember how he was late to Nick Vile's podcast? That was not a one and done time thing. Like this was a constant all the time issue for him. Like, not a professional man. 
Okay. Um, and he has changed his producers on the podcast since when he first started. I don't even know who he's working with now. This is the part that makes me want to die for him because this is why everyone hates him. I asked Sandoval, this is in the article, I asked Sandoval why he thought the scandal got so big. Are you guys ready for this? Are you ready for this, dosers? He says, I'm not a pop culture historian, really, he said. No shit. That was my own ad, by the way. <laughs> he says, I'm not a pop culture historian, really. But I witnessed the O.J. Simpson thing and George Floyd and all of these big things, which is really weird to compare this to that, I think. But do you think in a weird way it's a little bit the same? In case you're wondering why there's a pause on the podcast, it's because I just fainted. Guys. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I can't handle it. Gigi, thank you for the for the super sticker. It says Tom Sandoval's comments to Vanity in regards to George Floyd. You can leave. You idiot. What an idiot. Why doesn't he learn? Now, meanwhile, the author says, I looked over at Riley, who was typing furiously on her phone. I think I knew what he meant. He was trying to express the oddity of becoming the symbolic center of a nationwide discussion and a major news story. What he communicated instead was something more honest, which is just how the experience had made him lose perspective. This is the problem. There is a lot of news stories that take over the world. So many, in fact. He could have chosen so many, yet he chooses two men, one who was brutally murdered and one who, I'm sorry, I'm just going to put it out there, I think murdered brutally two people. Both are black men. What are you doing? This is your, your we're comparing this? Why don't you compare it to like, um, there's got to be like a story that like, like, a um, you compare it to like the world's hate of like a politician or, oh, it drives me crazy. Ray, Ray says quicksand, Tom, throw Tom in the quicksand. If anyone goes in the quicksand, it should be Tom. Damn it, Tom. Oh, Tom. And what is Schwartz going to say to make him feel better about this one? Now, I understand that he's trying to say, like, the world gets overtaken by these things. It's just not the right two examples. There's a lot of other things we could have talked about. Meghan and Harry. Why didn't we talk about Prince Harry? Anyway, I guess the next day, this uh, this author was supposed to go to the, one of the confessionals at the Evolution Studios, but Bravo got back and said, he'd rather you don't attend today. Um, Riley's boss, actually the PR's boss said he'd rather you not attend. He's not feeling the best. Then Alex Baskin called saying 
that some of what had Sandoval had said had gotten back to Bravo when everyone was concerned. What was it that he said about OJ Simpson and George Floyd exactly? Maybe Sandoval wasn't ready for this. The Bravo publicist asked if I really needed to see Sandoval again. Could the network facilitate an interview with one of the show's other stars? Bravo said it would get back to me about next steps. And while I waited, I thought more about Sandoval. When you're lost, sometimes it's helpful to go back to the beginning. So then she, this, this author is so kind and goes back to the beginning and talks about like how he started as a model and then wanted to be an actor. He signed up for Vanderpump Rules. He thought people should see what it's like being an, an LA model actor. Um, this is a great moment. It says, when the show became known instead for his, his girlfriend sleeping with his friend Jax Taylor, Sandoval didn't mind. When I punched Jax, he said, that sent it into the stratosphere. Riley remembered, remember the 23, the 23 year old publicist, Riley remembered watching that episodes with her middle school friends. We were like, this show is epic. She said, can you imagine like what's middle school, like 11 years old. And now she says publicist. And then Sandoval says, dude, it was. And Riley says it was so cool. Like what is happening? What is happening? Uh, so now it says that a decade later, Sandoval, who had a boyish innocence about him in those early season, seasons, has morphed into a unique Los Angeles species, species. He's late to everything, they pointed out. His publicist never seems to be able to reach him. Also, same issue with the podcast producers. And his face has that taut sheen that celebrities get from anti-aging protocols. <laughs> um, basically, it's saying that he's like an idiot. Like, I'm sorry, this article just like really paints him to be kind of an idiot. Um, then it talks about a little bit about him and Tom Schwartz and how he lives kind of in a hyper reality. Uh, finally, it talks about, uh, okay, I wanted to just get to one little um, moment. There's so much, you guys. It just keeps going on how they go to Tom Tom together and there's like one couple there and it's kind of like a slow day. Tom Tom says Sandoval gave me an insider's tour. There's the men's room, women's room. This table is really cool, but you got to watch your knees. Um, Kyle Chan, the jeweler appears at this hangout when they're at Tom Tom and says, basically you just have to live through the next season of Vanderpump rules. And then you're going to finally be free because you have to relive it one more time. Now, this is interesting. A couple of weeks before I met with Sandoval. Oh no, this is when they go to the evolution studios, but this is also where they shoot the next confessional. And, um, oh my God, this article is so deep. You guys, it goes into Bethany Frankel. It goes into whole reality TV and the strikes and whatever. So we're not going to get so into that. But then it says, I didn't see Sandoval for about two weeks. Then on a Monday in December, I drove to a soundstage in Burbank where he was taping his next confessional interview for the show. Riley wasn't here this time. Instead, we were joined by a Bravo publicist and Erica Forstadt, a senior NBC Universal executive, because they need to keep him like under wraps. Sandoval was in a small dressing room applying dabs of makeup to his forehead. In front of him were three caffeinated beverages, a Red Bull, an iced coffee, and a Dr. Pepper. He said he sipped each intermittently. Sandoval said he was feeling depressed. He said the same thing the last time I saw him. When I asked if the depression was show related, he had said somewhat show related, just life, business stuff. It's hard. He began to <laughs> he began to perform loud vocal exercises. What do you think Sandoval's vocal exercises are? It's like do 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 do. Do 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 do. He applied pomade to his hair, combing it back with his fingers. 
and changed into a light blue women's suit from Zara, which he said he preferred to the store's menswear. The suit looked good, but the sleeves barely reached his wrists. As he emerged from the dressing room, there was something about the suit's feminine cut combined with Sandoval's physique and slightly hunched posture that reminded me of Heath Ledger's Joker in the scene at the hospital where he wears a nurse's uniform. Talking a little bit about the, um, you know, the show and talking about the water tasting. Um, he says he hoped his luck would turn the season. He was feeling optimistic. He had been meditating. Uh, then he says, though he had come to Los Angeles to be an actor, he was proud. Was he proud of what he had become? Did he become the best next Brad Pitt? No, but he didn't want to be that anymore. It turned out reality TV is where the real stakes are. Actors are just pretending playing roles. I had no respect for reality TV before Sandoval told me, and now I don't have very much respect for actors. I'm like, y'all are trying to try doing this. So that's what he was doing now, sitting in front of the camera in a powder blue suit and sunless tanner, being honest in his feels. I watched him on a monitor as he peered into the lens with one eyebrow slightly raised. Then the camera rolled and his face lit up with a big, genuine smile. Chills. What an article. Like, Nobel. Is that what you do? Like, public, like not Nobel Peace Prize. Like, what do you, Pulitzer. Pulitzer Prize winning article there. It is a lot, you guys, mostly because he was wearing a woman's suit. Okay. What in the world? Now, Raquel, meanwhile, had quite a weekend, Rachel Levis, because she posted a reel that she edited herself, dragging Sheena to filth. And what she did was in episode 10, she because Sheena's just like annoying this season. Does everyone agree that? I think everyone can probably agree that Sheena's unlikable this season. I just, I, there's something about her that has really turned me off this season. And she has more than anyone ruined the season of Vanderpump Rules with her over exposing of Vanderpump and Scandal on her podcast. And she said on her after show, like, what is Rachel even going to do? She's just going to talk about us, something like that. So Rachel went through herself, she says in the comments, and edited Every single time Sheena's talking about Rachel, Tom Sandoval, Scandoval. And it's like hundreds of times. It's giving obsessed, but it's so good. Anyway, guys, I need you to stick around for this last story, which I'm holding on to at the end. I don't know why I should have talked about this earlier, but I have to shout out to you guys because Risa Tisa, I'm going to tell you this right now. There is a woman on TikTok, speaking of obsessed, I have spent the last... I spent hours last night and then hours today watching this woman's 50-part TikTok series called Who the F Did I Marry? Now, who is Risa Tisa, you're asking? F if I know. Some woman who probably had no following on TikTok a week ago. She posted one video that kind of just like outlined the story, I guess, about who she married, her ex-husband, and people wanted to know more. So then she decided, I'm doing a story time here. What led from a story time went from every, 50 videos on TikTok going from before, between five minutes to some 10 minutes 
one by one going through the story of who she married, how they met, how they dated, how they got married, and how they subsequently went through their divorce. When I tell you, the first time that she started the story, I was like, how in the world? 50, 50 parts of this. This woman's memory should be studied in like a science class, okay? I've never seen anything like it. She is such a good storyteller in terms of her ability to recall memories. Now, I will tell you this. I'm not a, I don't like slow talkers and I don't like stories that drag on forever. But this is so good because you can listen to it in double speed. So if you watch TikTok, you can hold it down and then you can press two times. It says playback speed two times. This saves a lot of time. And then when I would listen to her on like her normal pace, I almost fell asleep. So I, I like to listen to everything fast. Those of you guys that, you know, like to listen to this podcast fast or watch YouTube fast, you can do that. You know that you can do that. You can always watch things faster. She literally takes you through what can only be described in a written novel, documentary. I mean, like you can't write how crazy this story is. Because without giving a lot away, this man was a massive, massive, beyond belief pathological liar to the point where she ends up finding out that nothing, except for the fact that he's a man and had like a body, nothing he said was true. Nothing about his life was true. It is so scary because this woman, obviously, like, I don't know a lot about who she is in her normal life, but she's she's able to hold a job. Like she seems like she's a good speaker. She has intelligence about her. When she started to figure stuff out, she became like a PI. So the fact that someone like her can be bamboozled in such a dirty John way, holy, oh my God, how funny. The second I said dirty John, I looked in the comments and Joy says, I've been listening to dirty John. Yeah, it is, it's unreal how well he was able to piece it together, how good he was at his lies, how deep he went into these lies, how crazy the story gets. This woman, 100%, not only did she go from, I don't know how many followers five days ago to over 1.2 million followers today. Every time I go to her videos, she has more and more and more and more followers. She has totally like taken over TikTok. I think, I don't even know, like the comments on these videos are so genius because everyone's like, people are wondering like where, why aren't, why isn't anyone watching their videos? Because people are spending nine hours a day on TikTok watching hers. Right now she has 1.2 million followers. Okay. 1.2 million followers, 12 million likes. And on every single video about this scandal, she had over a million to 2 million views. Let me just tell you one thing. If she's in the creator fund, which she better be, and if she's not, I want to die for her. But if she's in the creator fund, she's going to make $100,000 from the series, if not more. I mean, maybe more. TikTok pays well. It pays really well. So she's making bank. And if she hasn't already sold the rights to her story, to a novel, to Shonda Rhimes, to a podcast series, this is coming out. She, this woman, her, her life is about to change. There's no way that this kind of story is staying right here. So what you need to do is go to, on TikTok, if you don't have a TikTok account, it may be time to get one. 
It's at Risa Tisa. That's R-E-E-S-A-T-E-E-S-A. And on her TikTok page, there's a little like button that says, who TF did I marry? And it's a, it's like a playlist. And that's the cool thing about TikTok is it starts at part one and goes all the way to 52 parts and it will automatically play for you. And I put it in my ear and I put the phone down and I live my life. And this is, you know what this will make you do? This will make you look at the people in your own life. It'll make you look at your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, or whatever. And it's going to set, it's going to tell you like, it's going to make you feel like, wow, I really, I'm married to like Prince Charming because at least, you know, he's not lying about offshore accounts. And if he is lying about offshore accounts, it may be time to, to cut ties. I'm just saying. All I know is that do background checks on anyone you date. Like it is cuckoo, cuckoo. It's 50 parts. She should be uploading all her videos to YouTube, Lisa, like, because YouTube also pays really well, but you have to like get to a certain thing. Anyway, you guys, I start my podcast class in one hour. I've got a bunch of you guys signed up. If you want to join, you can still join and then you can rewatch today's episode, today's episode, today's class, and then jump in in a later one. I am super excited uh, to get started on that. Thank you so much, all of you psychopath lovers, because you know what? If, if Risa Tisa married a psychopath, then I guess I'm the same, right? According to my podcast reviews. Love you guys. Thank you so much, Doser. See you tomorrow. Bye.